price for Friday, September 29th, 2023. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee. And that's right here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. And if you're heading to a game in downtown Vancouver, and there are plenty of them this weekend, football tonight, soccer and hockey tomorrow, why don't you just make a staycation out of it? Makes no sense to pay the cab or the Uber from distance each way. It's just... Get yourself a room here at the Wall Center, 604-331-1000. Make it a staycation. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, in switches, conducting things, celebrating 25 years. The Applewood Auto Group having a big car show Sunday at the Performance Center in Langley. There are fantastic new deals right now on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. Get those at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. The Infinity QX50, QX60 lease from 3.99%. No charge maintenance package during the anniversary sale with purchase and a chance to win $25,000. See dealer for details. It's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you after he is added to their negotiation list. If he's willing to come, should the BC line sign Colin Kaepernick? Yes or Whoa. no? You can vote at Harrison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. 35-year-old? Colin I want your two cents on this, but I don't quite love the Caps keeping or defending right now. Then there's the visitors from D.C. They give some up. They score some themselves. So I'm going to go over two and a half goals tomorrow at B.C. Place. And that's uh, if if they score three goals exactly, that's plus 600 on your Bodog line of the day. 2-1 tomorrow? 2-1? I think there might be more. Really? Yeah. Oof. I think there might be more. So the over in any case. Yeah, I would, I would take not the over. Not always yeah. exact score, but you can go over there as well. Easy on those Kaepernick 36 in November. There you go. But both well, right. Both right effectively. Well, uh, I, I say 36 because, first of all, he would not be an option this year. So the earliest he would get to Lions camp would be next season yeah. when he is 36. But it, that, that's my biggest problem with this development. And I have to say... You know, he's been on the neg list before. He's been on several teams' neg list yes. in the CFL. And and if you had a nickel for every celebrity quarterback who was on a right. neg list and never came. And, and and you know, when a player's in their late twenties and you're thinking, mm-hmm. hey, we might be able to fashion four or five years out of this guy, mm-hmm. you know, I could you know, you just do it for the sake of doing it. Right. Why do the Lions do it right now? Like to me, this you don't bother with this right now for the for the acclaim. Like right. Lions don't need the acclaim. They've no. got a winning team. They don't need to make headlines because the, the team's doing mm-hmm. it on their own. To me, this reeks of something a little bit more substantive. Well, uh, to me, um, this reeks of maybe a training camp fascination next year. Look, Colin Kaepernick and his camp made a little noise this week, and you know, needless to say, Gotham is up in arms because Zach Wilson is no damn good, and yes, you need a quarterback. So there was a little bit of a dalliance there with Colin Kaepernick and the NFL this week. Again, I think much of it created by Colin Kaepernick and his camp. So it would not surprise me if they reached out to Lions and said, "Hey, would you throw us a bone here? We might consider the CFL next year." Because here's the one thing we've been down this road with Kaepernick before, Blake. It's approaching now or never time, right? 35 going on 36, seven years away from the position, the most difficult position to play in all of sports. Of course, there are some issues here. Number one, like 150K is a really good salary for a backup quarterback. Is he willing to play for 150K Canadian on an incentive-laden deal, say? 
if he were to become the starter, it could be worth more. Because you're not bringing in Colin Kaepernick to unseat Vernon Adams. I don't care how bad he is down the rest of the stretch and into the playoffs. One guy is a seasoned CFL starter who knows the game. Kaepernick would be learning the 12-man game for the first time at an advanced age after spending years away from the position. And the other part of me uh, wonders that, okay, if the Lions want to bring him to training camp or at least view him as an asset, would he be willing to play in Alberta, the Prairies, Hamilton, Ottawa? Or would it just be the three big markets right. that he would have his eye on? Which is probably true. Um, you know, Flutie, McManus, we, there have been some big-name collegiate quarterbacks, and in some cases with NFL experience like Flutie, who have come up here and succeeded. But, you know, for every Doug Flutie, there's three Andre Wares, right? There's three totally. Johnny totally. footballs. And, and Colin Kaepernick, at his very, very best, was was a good quarterback. I don't think he was a top-10 quarterback uh, at I his mean, very, very best. Oh, I think he probably was. Yeah, uh, yeah for so. a brief window. And the other thing is his skill set back in the day was perfect for this game. It was. But again, we're so far out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and look, I'm someone who believed he was blackballed by NFL owners. That it was a shameful episode for the league and its owners and Commissioner Goodell. But I also don't see a football case for signing him right now in either league. And one of the problems is, even if you think he was good enough to play in a backup or reserve capacity, or even if you you know. What comes with it is a sideshow. What comes with it is TMZ at your practice daily. Yeah. What maybe. comes with it is something. We that dealt with is, that with Michael Sam, though. I mean, it's. It, it, I mean, briefly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there's a lesson there. If he was 30 years old and one year removed from playing, I've right. got no problem with this whatsoever. But I just don't. Th- I don't think he's the drawer you're looking for. Lions home to Saskatchewan tonight. They win the game. They clinch a home postseason game. We don't know yet whether it would be the West semifinal or the West final. And, of course, Winnipeg here next week. That'll go a long way to determining which game the Lions host. And, of course, Winnipeg has a big one tonight against the stripped-down Toronto team. Their head coach, Ryan Dinwiddie, was very, very honest. when he, Why aren't you bringing Chad Kelly in? some of your best players here. And he went, well, the crowd noise in that Winnipeg defensive line. He's worried about injuries. They have nothing to play for. They're already going to host the East Division final. So we'll we'll know more about how the top of both CFL divisions shake out after this weekend. As of right now, in the time we're recording this, still don't know whether it's going to be roof open or roof closed tonight. So bring your woolies. Make sure you're prepared for some outdoor awesome weather and football. At BC Place. Okay, on the Vancouver Canucks. 3-1 loss. They have two goals in three preseason games, 0-2-1 being outscored 15-2. Now, I'm not concerned in the least. Number one, because most of that margin was built up with an AHL roster in Calgary. Frankly, because they have done a better job defending in these last couple of games with more representative NHL lineups on both sides. And because it's preseason. Now, what I will say is, the narrative is emerging Blake, are they going to be okay on that third pair? Well, Lannon, Rathbone, Irwin, Hiroshi, McWard, Jolson, Breezebaugh, Wu, can you trust any of them in an NHL regular season game right now? Well, you have to take some of the results here with a grain of salt. Um, because in the preseason, that third line, that third pairing appearing to get ventilated may or may not have actual National Hockey League players helping them out in the other three spots on the ice. But one of those guys or two of those guys is going to be on this team 
from that lot. And look, it's probably going to be some combination of Wolanin, Breezebaugh, Irwin, and Hirose. Like, I imagine it's going to be two from that quartet. I don't think Wu, McWard, Rathbone really have a chance. Jolson's good still. But rubber hits the road this in the last three games of this <laughs> of this preseason because now you're going to get far deeper lineups, far more NHL like lineups, mm-hmm. forwards that know where to help out defensively, and 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 now assignments where you are on the ice, being in the right place, right time, is going to be a little bit more on you here now in this final week. So. I don't think that anybody, like, in the three games, I don't think you you, you could pick a best connect through three games. Like, really incomplete grade. Nobody's been disastrously bad uh, outside of that terrible first night for Jet Wu, maybe, mm-hmm. and, and she loves. But I, I really think that it's really hard to tell when you've got so much HL depth filling some of those holes. Mm-hmm. But I think rubber hits the road officially yeah. on Saturday, tomorrow, at home with a with a reminiscent NHL lineup, we're, we're going to have to start to see some nice passes, some nice defensive plays from these depth defensemen, and see who makes the cut. I uh, I think you'd say Teddy Bluger's maybe been the best Vancouver Canucks through three preseason games. I think he's only played one. Yeah, but but as Jeff will mention later, you know it says something when the head coach names three guys who weren't in the lineup yeah. last night. Yeah, amongst the guys who look good in camp, including Nilsson and. Jack Stanika. Spencer Martin claimed on waivers by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So the Canucks goaltending depth takes a little bit of a hit, but there are good offshoots of this as well. Yeah. You get rid of a contract and some money. Also, you clear space for Nikita Tolapilo to join Archer's Shiloffs as the goaltending tandem in Abbotsford. Heaps a little more pressure on Casey Smith to be the backup because you don't have yet another NHL experienced goaltender in the organization. But if you believe in Shilovs and if you believe that he is going to get NHL games on performance this season, then less of a concern there. I mean, Zach um, Sachenko's got some NHL games as well, but um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's the apple of anybody's eye. No, no. And um, interesting that the first goaltender on waivers gets plucked, and, and there were reports from Elliot Friedman that uh, Colorado interested Tampa as well. So <laughs> goaltenders are in demand here a little bit yep. by the sounds of release. Goaltending depth is in demand. Rick Tockett praises Vasily Podkolzin's effort, but uh, has an issue with his reads. And a very quiet performance from the Russian winger last night. Blake, are we, I think we're past the point of concern, right, with Vasily? Are we ready to say he's going to be an Abbotsford Canuck when the season starts? No, I'm not ready to say that yet. Um, I think they want to give him the longest of leashes here Mm -hmm. to get his house in order here as the preseason goes on. I would suspect he plays in two more games in the preseason. And... You know, if if there's not much in those two games because he's waiver eligible, yeah, I think he's mm-hmm. he's an easy decision. But I think they'd like to to have their decision made a lot more difficult by some resurgent games here over the final two that he plays. Yeah, talk at praises Phil DiGiuseppe last night for his effort in a three-one loss to the Seattle Kraken in the Emerald City, and he also said he has seen a response from Dakota Joshua in the last couple of games. He played Wednesday in Edmonton, was physical, was involved. He played again last night. So Joshua appears to be rehabilitating his case a little bit, although Coach has now specified it's a fitness level concern with Joshua. In fact, he said there's a couple of guys who are out of 
or at least not up to his preferred standard fi- standard fitness wise. Escorsi on the team last night, Joshua. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow at home here against the Edmonton Oilers. We'll see what kind of lineup the Oilers dress. Team day off today. Sting is at Rogers Arena, Blake. Oh, I didn't know that. With really? His bass guitar and his uh, ego. I, I like Sting a lot. He he gave one of the most disappointing shows I've ever attended. Ditto. Forty minutes. We got my brother and I were both big uh, police fans. We bought tickets on the floor for the When Hell Freezes Over reunion tour. This was about uh, twenty years ago, fifteen twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and um, basically watched three guys stay in their part of the stage and not really interact with each other. Hell Freezes Over the Eagles tour, wasn't it? I believe it's been used by both. Uh, is it okay? Yeah. Well, because of course they had a uh, a very public split. Yes, the police both, did. Both bands did yeah. And in fact, if you haven't seen the documentary that Andy Summers, the guitarist, put together on his lifetime's career, uh, it's called "Can't Stand Losing You: Surviving the Police." It's it's old. It's about ten years old or so. He basically lays out what all the issues were in the band and even you know says at one point i turned into a rock and roll asshole i was mean to just about everyone yeah you know heaven forbid a male fan get in my face i would let our managers know he did specify male fan um so anyways what i will say fantastic artist i'm sure everyone who's going tonight yeah. will have a great time yeah, boy what a run of concerts here in Vancouver over the last Everybody's month. touring. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Sheeran, Coldplay at BC Place, Beyonce, Sting. So some of the biggest names in music coming through town here and Still taking no advantage Travis of Still no Travis Kelsey girlfriend, though. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> Boy, if she comes to town, <laughs> Blake, I'm not sure we'll have access to the wall center. Here. No, probably not. <laughs> we won't get across the bridges. The Swifties will be out in force. Whitecaps back at it tomorrow at home. And welcome back to BC Place, Vancouver Whitecaps FC. They have DC United. Four games remaining in the regular season. We laid out yesterday where they stand. Carl Robinson coming back to BC Place. Is he an assistant there yes, with DC? He is. Yeah. Is Robbo going to hold court today? Give uh, the Vancouver media an audience? It'll probably be Wayne. Rooney, but you never know. Never know. What can you tell us about lineup tomorrow? Because it's been a busy run of games for the Caps after Wednesday in Colorado. I, I have not had a chat with the the gaffer yet. Um, Has the gaffer calmed down at all? The gaffer sounded like he was furious the on last, Wednesday. The last time I chatted with him on Wednesday, he mentioned that today's match will probably be a case of more who has 100% health and and, right. and a full tank? Right. He said less, uh, you know, rather than a strategic mm-hmm. lineup, he's just going to go around the room and find out who's got a full tank of gas mm-hmm. and who can put forth the best effort. Well, and that might decide the 11. Well, they've played the last two Wednesdays and weekends, and then they're back at it again on, on Wednesday. On this Wednesday and next weekend, too. Exactly. Home Wednesday to St. Louis, then off to Seattle next weekend. That's their last road match. As we have mentioned to you, the Caps still have a lot of upward mobility here. They will need some help on the out-of-town scoreboard. 
in sixth place in the MLS West. You want to get in the top four because that way you host potentially two of a best of three first round opening series games at your stadium. And that has well been within reach here for the Caps, particularly after they started that seven game road stretch so, so well. So got to get this one. DC United has come a long way. Soccer players don't tend to be as accustomed to the long travel and the time zone changes and everything that happens. And of course the turf here at BC place. So there's a lot of things pointing towards the cap. Mm -hmm. If, if this lineup is healthy enough and has enough stamina and endurance to give it a go. I'm uh, I, I hope that there's uh, enough to get this season finished as it should, considering where they have been the last couple of weeks. It'd be mm-hmm. a shame. Oh, be a damn shame. Mm. I mean, I haven't looked at it from a doomsday scenario. Is it possible they could fall out of the playoffs, Blake? Or is- yeah, well, it's, it's. I mean, there's two teams on the outside that if they lose this weekend, they're going to be hard pressed to make the playoffs: Kansas City and Minnesota. Right. Um, and Kansas City, especially got, Kansas City, uh, yeah, they're on thirty-one more games. games. Yeah, yep. exactly. So that's what I'm saying. A loss, a don't write loss for Kansas City is pretty doomsday scenario for them. And the Caps are five points clear of Minnesota mm-hmm. with four games left for each right. side. So well, and Kansas City plays their in-state rivals, the number one team in the West, St. Yeah. Louis. So that'll yeah. be tough. Yeah, Minnesota so against the San Jose for, team that's still remember fighting. play in game though for eight nine. So right. you, you want to avoid that? Oh, you absolutely want to avoid that. How about baseball last night? Oh, my goodness. I tuned in for the ninth inning for the Mariners and got treated to a show. Did you ever? And who is it? It's Cal Rowley starting it, and his last name is appropriate here. He starts the rally <laughs> with a bottom of the ninth leadoff single. Araldus Chapman did not have his control last night. They had to pull him in the ninth inning. And then it's J.P. Crawford, the son of legendary Lions cornerback Larry Crawford with a two-run opposite field double to win it for the M's. With two away. Sack fly taken away by a wow. fabulous the, catch in the foul territory. The bases are loaded, and yeah. then the M's with two shallow fly balls that don't score anybody, so you're getting really nervous they're going to blow it. I mean, all they needed was a, a ground ball, a fly ball deep enough to score the tying run. And the other thing I love about it is they're playing Crawford shallow to the opposite field. Have you not heard Texas Rangers? He's more than doubled his home run output in a single season this year. He's up to 18 home runs. They were playing him a little too shallow in left field, saying he ain't got this smoke. He can't put it over the left fielder's head for a double. Sure enough, he did. And I don't even think it bounced on the warning track. It was close, but I think it was probably the last meter or so Mm -hmm. of of the turf. Like, it, it... wasn't even that deep. He then drops a let. He then drops a let's fucking go on the air on route. Oh, that was something else. Signs the camera. I thought Evan Carter would have with a bit of a pedestrian effort in left field there, just kind of let it go over his head. Like, well, try to he, make the play. He is one of the top prospects in baseball, and still very much a um, a rookie. I mean, he was just called up what last month. In fact, I think he made his debut against the Blue Jays here a few weeks back. So, yeah, Jed Mueller pulls the mic back quickly, yeah. but it was still rather audible. <laughs> I felt bad for Jed. Yeah, we got Jen a Jed used to be a, a regular here on our show talking Seahawks. Anyways, a um, couple more left here. Well, three more left against the Texas Rangers. M's are one back of Houston for the final wild card. Houston was idle last night. As we know, they're the one team playing the interleague series here against Arizona who are a win away from getting to the playoffs themselves. 
and the M's are two back of Toronto who avoid the sweep with the Yankees. They've got Tampa this weekend. So it looks like it's coming down to Houston or Seattle for that final wild card. So long as the Blue Jays don't collapse, it looks like it's coming down to Seattle and Houston. We went through it yesterday. There's a scenario with the three-way tie atop the AL West, which the M's would win. They win a three-team tiebreaker, and they win a head-to-head tiebreaker with Houston. They do not win a head-to-head tiebreaker with Texas. When does Vlad Guerrero get back from his injury? Oh, boy. That's harsh. Honestly, but fair. What, but what's but happened? Fair. What's when does happened? Matt Chapman get back oh, from his know. injury? Gosh. Well, Chapman homered last night. Yeah. Yeah, he, but still, he's been absolutely atrocious. Well, he plays a great third base. And even Bichette, I think, could be better. Dalton Varsho plays great He plays in the field, field, but his bat but, is Yeah, well, he, the Dalton Varsho is... Best defensive run saved ne- guy. Yeah, but I'll he also needs that. a telescope to see uh, Chapman in OPS. I just I wish the uh, I wish the offense could live up to mm-hmm. their resumes. You know, good like, news for the Caps here. Ron Gold fully training, ah, according to hard journalist uh, at Caps uh, training. So that's fantastic really good news yeah. for them. Let's get into today's menu. It's brought to you by AG One. Drinkag1.com slash Sakaris and Price. You'll get a special offer there, including some AG One to go, and you'll know that wherever you are. You're getting that foundational nutrition that your body needs. Check it out, AG1, drinkag1.com. Jeff Patterson will join us, our Canucks reporter from Rinkwide. We'll have a post-game pod tomorrow night after the Edmonton game. There wasn't one last night because, well, the game wasn't being broadcast. It was 1988 And last then night. there was issues on, uh, on streaming. Yeah, the Canucks were planning on putting it live on Twitter. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So people had to find uh, <clears throat> alternative right. routes. We'll talk to Jeff about the status of this defense core. How concerned he is that no one seems to be stepping up all that much to grab a job. We'll talk about that Cole Ronick pairing. We'll talk about Vasily Putkols and Dakota Joshua, the power play arrangements as well. And of course, the comments of Rick Tockett about a couple of by couple of guys being out of shape. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including a star goaltender going to miss some time here off the hop in the NHL season. John Shannon stops by. We talk Canucks with John. He also talks about Vasil, uh, Vasilevsky down in Tampa. Uh, surprise signing, I think, for many with Michael Backlund re-upping in Calgary this week. We'd heard he was one of the guys in the final year of his deal who didn't plan on re-signing. Well, sure enough, he did, and named their captain as well. And uh, changing of the guard in the nation's capital there with Steve Steos emerging as the hockeys are. Plus another edition of S versus P coming up and uh, I'm on a bit of a roll. Happy hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, neighborhood brewing, workshop spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at Applewood.ca. 
Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation Applewood Auto Group, joined now by Rinkwide's Jeff Patterson, our Vancouver Canucks reporter who saw the game last night in Seattle. <laughs> Jeff, are, are you the one who you managed to Brady. figure this you out? No, a little help from Brady. I, I got to the game about five minutes in, so I think okay. I missed the Vasily Podkoles and penalty was about. Uh, <laughs> that was the extent of it. Otherwise, I had a pretty good stream. And Oh, good. Yeah, so no, I watched the game and... Uh, Watch the Seattle Kraken uh, look a whole lot faster and quicker than the Vancouver Canucks. And Rick Tockett agreed afterwards. And, you know, that's kind of been the Kraken's MO since their arrival in the National Hockey League. And it seems every time they play the Canucks, whether it's preseason or regular season, they have a step on this Vancouver team. So we know, and we've heard uh, Travis Green mention it, Bruce Boudreau, and I would think that Rick Tockett would have to cop to it as well. Uh, the Canucks still are not a fast team. They're just not a, you know, that's not an attribute when you think of the Vancouver Canucks. So, uh, preseason is for about uh, making evaluations and judgments. And I think one of the things that Rick Tockett would take out of Climate Pledge, forget the fact that it was 3-1 to one and that they're winless here through their first three games and that they've been outscored 15. To- Can you forget all of this? Just it's preseason, right? Uh, sweep that part under the rug. But if it is the process, it's evaluation. And I-, I can understand the coach didn't sound terribly happy with his team last night. And he had a number of National Hockey Leaguers in there. Uh, Again, harping on board battles and those types of things that he loves. But uh, they're halfway through the preseason. And guys, let's be honest, week number one of the National Hockey League preseason for the Vancouver Canucks, not so good. Uh, no, they, no. They've got a lot of work in front of them here. Oh, two and one outscored 15 to three. I'm just glad you've got a good stream. You know, at our age, it's tougher <laughs> to maintain. Sometimes they're choppy, broken up. Terrible. But you know what? And I've, we get into this uh, discussion every single year, Jeff. Yeah, And the preseason to me is not about points. It's not about results and wins. But I think you I think you do want a win just to remember, sure. remind yourself what it feels like. And I think you do want to see successes. You do want to see flashes of what you're trying to do. And I don't know that we have – well, we know we don't have wins here. But I don't know that we've really even seen flashes of extended good play to build off that. So in that regard, and only in that regard – the, the last three preseason games kind of matter here in terms of the process to get ready for the regular season, don't they? Well, it's fascinating. I had somebody in my timeline come at me and make the point, like, you know, imagine if Bruce Boudreaux was the head coach and they were 0-2-1 and they had been bleached 10 nothing. You know, last year, management was already starting the daggers at the head coach at this point, but they've got their guy in place. And so uh, he's got a little more leash, obviously, but it did get me to thinking like, man, imagine if Bruce Boudreaux was still around. Uh, I can't uh, think that management would be terribly happy with what they have seen. So uh, a couple of things, and it was quirky when it came out, but three road preseason games, all three road games out of the way now. Uh, they don't travel again until that first road game in Edmonton on October the 15th. So that's a ton of practice time for Rick Tockett and he and the coaching staff, they like their practice time. And quite frankly, they're going to need some practice time here because they've got a lot of things to work on as they continue to drill down on the systems and the style that he wants them to play. I would think the two games at Rogers arena, Tockett has talked about preseason games, four and six game five, obviously is in Abbotsford. We'll see what they do in terms of the type of roster that they send there. But yeah, I think there's a little bit of importance here. Uh, at home to the Oilers, at home to the Flames, Rogers Arena, paying customers, probably 
uh, a lot of NHL regulars in the lineups for these two games on home ice. And, you know, if they soil the sheets in those, then there probably is a little bit of angst in the market given the storyline around the need for a quick start for the first time in a bunch of years. So let these games unfold. Let's see what happens here. But I would think in one of, if not both, you're going to see Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko as the top line and JT Miller and Brock Besser as a secondary line playing together. And so that they can start to, you know, drill down on the power play and work on some of the real special teams. I don't know that the final game is necessarily a full-on dress rehearsal. I think some people always expect that you're going to ice your NHL lineup. I remember last year, Arizona came through here late in the preseason and mustered seven shots on poor Thatcher mm-hmm. Nemko, who, and that was for the entire night. So, you know, again, I I don't know what Arizona was thinking. I'm not too worried about the Coyotes, but, uh, you know, that's what the Canucks got as their final preseason test or tune-up was a seven-shot effort from their opponents. So uh, the Canucks just have to control what they can control, and we'll see if Talkin' Ice is a pretty good lineup. And uh, I would think that you can have some expectations that he needs more from his best players. And quite frankly, we're in a territory now where this is last chance for some of these prospects Three games to go. They're not going to play all of them. And so if you get called, if your number's on the board, you better make the most of your opportunity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Full team day off today. Of course, back at it tomorrow at home against the Edmonton Oilers. Jeff will be joining you on Rinkwide. Answer me this, Jeff. Do they have a defense problem? Like, is anybody from this group of contenders for the third pair distinguishing themselves or do you think they have an opportunity to look elsewhere to add a defenseman? Well, Lannon, Rathbone, Irwin, Hiroshi, McWard, Juleson, Breezebois, Wu, has anybody distinguished themselves? Would you feel good about putting any of these guys on the third pair on opening night right now? I joked on Sunday when the Canucks were getting bleached 10-0 in Calgary that it was a good night for Guillaume Breezebois and Christian Willannon because they weren't guilty by association. They weren't in uniform that night. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll land in with a bad giveaway on what turned into the winner last night on the penalty kill. Now, if he makes the Vancouver Canucks, I don't think he's going to be doing a ton of penalty killing, but, you know, the Canucks want to see guys in all situations. And so it wasn't a, a banner night, I didn't think, for Will Lennon. You know, Breezebois is what he is, and I think the Canucks recognize that. There's not a lot of flash to his game, but I still think he's in the running to to make this hockey club or at least be on the, the opening night roster uh, Cole McWard, I thought was fine the other night in Edmonton alongside Quinn Hughes. I'm curious if they want to get another look at that or if they move on to what would that be? The fourth partner for Quinn Hughes after Juleson in the first day of camp and then Carson Soucy and then McWard in the preseason. So I think there will still be some experimentation. Does Ian Cole get a look uh, alongside Quinn Hughes at some point? But yeah, I mean, we spent much of the summer after July 1st talking about, hey, the Canucks didn't have a lot of money to spend, but what money they had, they spent wisely. They beefed up their blue line. Philip Heronik was sort of the forgotten man because he didn't play. And here we are with one week left in the preseason, and people are starting to wonder and I think worry a little bit about flushing out this defense core and what's it going to look like on opening night. And you know, Akito Hiroshi acquitted himself well in that disaster in Calgary, so... Uh, yeah, I, I want to get more of a look at him, and I think we will here in week two of the preseason. And so my hunch is that it's still open auditions, and you're looking at guys like Hiroshi and Will Lannon on the left side particularly that have separated themselves from the pack. I think the others, a lot of the guys that you mentioned, 
Uh, they seem destined to start this season in the minors. Uh, Jack Rathbone just feels like a forgotten man at this stage of the proceedings. Uh, Philip Johansson, we haven't really seen or heard much of him. I think he's going to start the year down in Abbotsford. So uh, I'm curious to see when the next round of cuts come and what that tells us about uh, what the Vancouver Canucks are thinking. But uh, again, three preseason games to go. Still an opportunity for somebody to really put their best foot forward and cement one of those spots, six spots on opening night. Somebody's got to play defense for the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, we'll see how the evaluation continues here in week two. Well, Landon's an interesting study. I, gosh, I wish he was a, a right-hander. Um, but, you know, if you've got an AHL defenseman of the year in your organization, I'd certainly give him a long leash and test him at the NHL level. You know, um, I felt like the gaff last night, Jeff, was – well, I thought like he just mishit it. I don't think that was his decision to put it where it was. Yep. I thought I, I think he just kind of lost it a little bit, lost control of the puck. Um, so at least it wasn't a, a poor decision. It wasn't a full pizza, if you will. Um, but I, I I hope they give Willannon a look because, as I said, if you get an award-winning guy at the one level down, goodness, you'd think he was able to at least scratch the surface of an NHL season. Well, and, and I think more than that, like he won AHL Defenseman of the Year playing half the season. Like yeah, he, he was called yeah. up and didn't look back at that point. And, uh, and then on top of that, he's got, you know, over the course of six sort of six or eight years now, uh, but a full season of NHL games under his belt with Los Angeles, with Ottawa. There was a brief cameo in Buffalo. He's bounced around a little bit, but... You know, he's got and he's logged NHL games that Akizo Hiroshi just hasn't at this stage. And so uh, I think they're high on Hiroshi, but I'm kind of with you that I just think that experience does have to matter at some point. And, and right now, uh, Christian Willannon, to me, with the season that he put in or the half season at the very least last year, you know, now a full-on tweener. Like he, he's kind of graduated from the American Hockey League. It's just a question of can he be an every-night guy in the NHL? Right. Is he the... You know, the extra defenseman in break glass in case of emergency, that kind of thing. So, again, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, I, I was really encouraged. And and it's been this way from day one of training camp. I focused more on Ian Cole just because he's the newcomer. Uh, you know, just a veteran presence, calm, cool. Every time I noticed him out there, just seemed to be making the right right play, small plays. Um, and paired with Philip Ronick from day one. And, and look, the Canucks were outshot badly. They were outchanced badly. Seattle uh, had all the analytics in their favor. And yet when Heronic was on the ice last night, the ice was tilted in the Canucks' favor. And so that's an accomplishment. Even in the preseason, it tells you that, you know, they're spending far less time in their own zone defending than they are uh, moving the puck up ice and, and generating offense. And I think that there is something to that pairing, even though I said I, I am curious if they look at Cole with Quinn Hughes at some point. I think the Canucks see Ian Cole and Philip Ronick as their second pairing. It's just a question of who's at the top of the food chain right now. And yeah. that remains uh, very much a, a, in a state of flux. Uh, Jeff, Joshua, Dakota put on notice by talking earlier in the week. We, we both thought he responded reasonably well on Wednesday in Edmonton, like your assessment of him yesterday in Seattle. And also, uh, talking mentions a couple guys out of shape. We we know Josh wasn't his crosshairs for that. Have you noticed anybody else that looks like they're a step? Be, before you get on Arizona Visions, you meant Joshua, comma, Dakota. That's right. <laughs> <Okay>. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, to my eye, I haven't seen guys that were lagging. Remember last year, one of the storylines at a camp was Kuzmenko in his first NHL camp, always hunched over, trying to collect his breath. And then the first preseason game led the Canucks in average uh, you know, shift length and those types of things. 
I haven't, but the coaches, they have the test results of uh, the fitness testing and they're closer to it at, at ice level. So, you know, I, I haven't, but I thought that was curious, certainly. Uh, and in the same vein where Tockett talked about, we need big bodies and how much he liked Phil Giuseppe. You know, that was one of the name checks uh, coming out of the loss in Seattle. So uh, Dakota Joshua tried to be uh, physical early on. And then I kind of thought his game tapered a little bit, although uh, clearly the coach saw something because in the third period, he got a bit of a promotion and got to play with Pia Suter and, and Connor Garland. So uh, Dakota Joshua and Sheldon Dries and Max Sasson, uh, you know, these are all guys that played them back to back. I think there were six guys that played back to back. Uh, Sasson and Joshua, though, have played all three of uh, the preseason games so far. So there's got to be some method to the the madness uh, in that regard. Uh, you know, like I thought Garland and Suter, there's some undeniable chemistry. They combined on the only goal for the Vancouver Canucks last night. Connor Garland was the net front uh, on the Hughes goal in Edmonton. Like I think Connor Garland, he was mixing it up with Joshua in the training camp last week. I think Connor Garland's had a pretty good week uh, as things go for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, when I looked at the game last night, you know, Archie Baines continues to, you're drawn to him. And I, I use this as the entry point for Vasily Podkolson because I think this market wants it to happen for Archie Baines. I think the market wants it to happen for Vasily Podkolson as well. But, sure. but local kid, uh, you know, I don't think Archie Baines will be here when the dust settles to start the season. But I do think he's put himself on the map to play National Hockey League games. And how has he done it in the preseason? He's in on the four check. He's turning pucks over. He's, you know, there's no quit. There's, the hustle is on display. Like, he gets it. He, you know, he's definitely a do-something kind of guy here in the preseason so far. Why isn't that the case for Vasily Podkolzin? Podkolzin took an early penalty, and then he had a shot in the final minute of the hockey game, his only shot attempt of the night. And in between, all he did was wear the uniform. Like, there, he's got to recognize that... Others are stepping up here, and he's just kind of, you know, spinning his wheels a little bit. Like, he doesn't have a spot on this team. He can be sent to the minors, and I just keep waiting for him. Like, you talk about flashes, and it's it's just not there for him. And, you know, he's on the seat of his pants on the one nothing goal, and I know there were breakdowns elsewhere before it got to him, but you could see the frustration, like this recognition, like, oh, no, they scored. I'm on the ice, and I'm literally on the ice. I'm sitting on the ice here. Um, there just has to be more there. And the runway is shortening now because unless he, you know, like I, I don't know if he's playing Saturday. I certainly don't know if he's playing Wednesday, but pretty good chance he's not going to get all three of the games that remain on the schedule here. So need to see more from Vasily Podkolzin, Pod there's no doubt. Yeah. And I need to see a recognition that some of the guys that he's battling with, and again, Tockett, they didn't even play last night. And Tockett name-checked Teddy Bluger and Jack Stunica and Neil Zaman after the game. <laughs> That's sort of, I think, where the bar is set for some of those depth guys. And they're... Tockett's gonna... a do-something guy. Tockett's buying into the do-something. Mm -hmm. He's seeing guys do, yep. do some things. Stunica's doing something. And he likes it. I, and I, but now, it, I think but it, like on one level, guys, and, and with all due respect to Jack Stunica, and it goes back to Torts and David Booth, like the fact that we're midway through the preseason and Jack Stunica has emerged as one of the good news stories for the Vancouver Canucks. Credit to him, but does he move the needle? Like If he's in the lineup... Ultimately, what does he do? Does he make the whole the, the Vancouver Canucks a whole lot better? Uh, and I'm not convinced about all of those types of things. But he can control what he can control. And so credit to Sadika for showing up in shape and, and showing up some hustle. But again, um, 
you know, this team is supposed to be getting better incrementally. And the fact that Jack Stanika sort of stands out as one of the best players from the first week of the preseason, it all rolls back into this idea that the first week of the preseason, you know, it's had some, some speed wobbles along the way. Good for Jack Stanika. Bad for everybody else. Lastly, Jeff, uh, and Blake and I have kicked this around a little bit, and we don't necessarily know which direction they're going, so we may be a little bit premature, but uh, they've experimented with different power play arrangements, not just personnel, but away from the 1-3-1 that has been so successful for them the last couple of seasons. For those who didn't see the game last night, and that is the vast majority, (laughs) um, what did the power play look like, and, and what just philosophically? is your take on potentially moving away for something that let's face it, wasn't broken the last couple of years. Yeah. I I wouldn't be sounding any sort of alarms. Ultimately it's hockey. And once you get into the offensive zone, I think guys are going to find uh, their spots on the ice and talk. It's big on trying to create two on ones. Obviously you've got one extra player out there. So you try to find the mismatch and then exploit it from there. So if that means more down low work, you know what I, I want to see more movement I think the Canucks were guilty of being a little too static I still am not thrilled with the idea of your best and most talented player being used essentially as a decoy and remember Elias Pettersson had just six power play goals Sheldon Dries had six power play goals last year like they need more. really they need Holy. more from Elias Pettersson and so like, I want him to have the puck on his stick I want him to be closer to the net to attack the net and uh, you know, some of the work that they did when they rolled out special teams in Victoria last week, you know, I think there were a few different looks, Matt. One is when they gain the zone on the entry on the rush as opposed to a face-off play, perhaps. And so maybe it depends on how do you sort of attack the zone and, and start with the puck. Uh, the other thing, too, is like there's nothing that says Elias Pettersson can't drop down low behind the net. Seems to me that Wayne Gretzky had some success uh, setting up shot back of the net. Uh, the game has changed a little bit, but uh, you know, there's so many bodies and so many legs and sticks in front of the net that the idea of just get it back to the point for the one timer, that doesn't necessarily work in today's national hockey league. And that's why you see trying to finesse it to the bumper. That's why you see JT Miller fake it to the bumper and then, you know, attack the net on his downhill side and, and he had some success there. So uh, the personnel is certainly in place, and it does look like Brock Besser is going to be the fifth uh, player on the power play. Now, he doesn't replace Bo Horvat because Besser's a right shot, and Horvat obviously was a lefty. But I still wonder about some sort of setup where Elias Pettersson moves to the other side, and JT Miller could slide to the interior as the bumper guy. Miller can shoot the puck, has pretty good hands, and again, you see a power play that's run through JT Miller the last couple of years, but why couldn't Elias Pettersson be the guy that's over on the left side that then has some options? And of course, Quinn Hughes up top being Quinn Hughes. And we talked about it post game on Wednesday. Love the fact that Quinn Hughes scored on a bit of a seeing eye shot, but it was more the fact that Quinn Hughes had eight or nine shot attempts. Uh, I, I wonder if we're going to see a little bit more of that from Quinn yeah. Hughes, not just on the power play at evens as well, but trying to funnel more of his pucks through to the net and ultimately hope that a, a few go in. Mm-hmm. I love your Marvel. first suggestion. Honestly, behind the net that is very Bill Belichick. of you, Jeff, um, <laughs> like have it as it has, have that as a go-to moment. Pedersen gets the puck and goes down below the goal line. Like, I think it would, I, I think it would mess with the but, PK uh, units. I think they wouldn't know what to do. Then. Well, but I think they'd adapt in time and perhaps in short order. 
I think one of the reasons why the behind the net play doesn't work as well is that defensemen are just more quick twitch athletes these days with more agility, better feet, and are able to sort of does it have to be right behind the net, consume, just below the goal. Line. Okay. And I, I wonder if it brings more shooting opportunities up top as they have mm. to cheat down to you. Next yeah, thing I mean, you know, he's going to want to split the offensive lineman out wide. <laughs> <laughs> and deflate the puck. You have to uh, declare, exactly. declare yourself eligible when you get That's on the right. ice. Remember, yeah. if you're, you've got to be outside of the ineligible numbers uh, to receive a pass. Now, go ahead, Jeff. Well, no, I'm just this uh, collective, uh, the brain trust, you know, Tockett is the head coach, but he's going to uh, have the power play in his portfolio, but he's talked about leaning on Gonchar and, and Daniel and Henrik, and why wouldn't you? I mean, these are great advisors to have, so I'm kind of curious to see what the creative minds can come up with. Ultimately, though, it is hockey. The other team's going to have four defenders. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of teams have gone to this diamond formation now and try to keep you to the perimeter. And that's why it felt like Elias Pettersson was just too much of a decoy on too many nights last year. And I know that his one-timer is elite and it is a weapon, but it's also interesting to note that all six of his power play goals came after Rick Tockett. Elias Pettersson didn't score a power play goal under Bruce Boudreaux in the first half of last season, which is pretty remarkable considering Boudreaux was here for, what, 46 games before they made the coaching change. So... Uh, you know, don't take the one-timer away. But again, if Elias mm-hmm. Pettersson is in motion, if he's moving, you know, get to a point where he, if he's down low, kind of swing out high and get Petter- get Hughes to put the puck in his wheelhouse for a one-time opportunity, but just standing there static. Uh, I don't think that's the answer yeah. for anybody, uh, particularly Pettersson, but I just, I want him to have the puck on his stick a little bit more for sure. when the Canucks have yeah. the, the man advantage. Marvelous stuff, Jeff. Thank you for this. I'll join you tomorrow on Rinkwide, and we'll catch up on Secure Some Price on Monday. Thank you. You and everybody else note that it's a 6 o'clock start uh, Saturday yes. home game. So uh, that's good because it means Rinkwide can get out a little bit earlier. But, uh, yeah, kind of conditioned to 7 o'clock home games for this one, a 6 o'clock Saturday night game. Secure Some Price from Wall Center presentation, Apple at Auto Group. Hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com, brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution. You keep your great rate, you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now is the time to reach out. Find them at Jason.Mortgage. Uh, let's start with this one. SCTV News judge says she is ending conservatorship between former NFL player Michael Orr and Memphis couple. Mm-hmm. This is the blind side, the blind side, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, that uh, famous movie. Gosh, uh, my kids have watched that movie a lot of times. Um, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Tour de Force performance. Uh, what's his name? Uh, with the country music star. Isn't he the uh, dad? The dad, yeah. I think that might be is right. McGraw. Yeah, maybe. Maybe something like that. Um, anyhow, the uh, the story goes that at the age of 18, when he was being recruited to Ole Miss... Tim McGraw. Um, they signed this conservatorship, not unlike the Britney Spears situation, that basically gave complete control to the Tuies, if you remember the, the family mm-hmm. name. They told him that they were adopting him. That was not the case. They just got this conservatorship, so... They've been monitoring and and maintaining his finances ever since, mm. um, and uh, so he's trying to break free of all that. So um, the the judge said that she could not believe 
that somebody granted this conservatorship when it happened because she's never <laughs> seen it for anybody that didn't have some sort of disability. The underworld of college recruiting and athletics. Yeah. If you haven't seen the documentary The Scheme about Christian Dawkins, who was basically a broker of college basketball players, it is uh, it is a world that just does not exist here in Canada. Yeah. Like, oh. Even as U-Sport is going to more athletic uh, scholarships bursaries, uh, it's just not the same. It's one of the big differences between our countries. Like. They go to post-secondary education, and that institution becomes part of their fabric. Yeah. And it's just not the same here in Canada. Andre Vasilevsky is going to miss at least the first two months of the NHL season after going for back surgery. Now, the cynic may say this is the Tampa Bay Lightning on their way to $20 million over the cap again. But it also could compromise their playoff standing. Our buddy Ian McClutchy was funny on this. At McClutch. Spencer Martin about to open the 23-24 season with a 12-2-4 run in Tampa Bay. <laughs> and he's uh, he's a former Tampa guy too, right? So right. they know him there. Uh, so I saw that dot connected uh, a little bit. Um, th- th- this is a little bit different than a position player. It's an integral position. Yes. Um, but my goodness, if they are able to pull it off again. Oh. At John Boy Media, Angel Hernandez rung up Bryce Harper on this check swing call. Harper lost it, got ejected, tossed his helmet into the crowd. The check swing is an egregious non-strike. The bat barely gets off his shoulder, Blake. Like it's it's the perfect check swing in in terms of it didn't even tempt the umpire. It shouldn't have. And you know, I don't think if it's another umpire, I don't think Bryce Harper loses his mind quite as much. No, he saw who did it and he said last straw. Right. Last straw, first of all, I love it from Harper on two fronts. Number one, that it's this umpire. Number two, they're going in the playoffs, and he's showing fire, and I think that's going to help his clubhouse. And he said in the aftermath, I'm going to get fined for being right, and he's spot on. He is going to get fined, and he is right. And Major League Baseball needs to do something about this umpire. They they need to get to the union here and whatever protection Angel Hernandez has had in the past, yep. it needs to stop because they got he's rid of country uh, Joe West and now it's time to get rid of this one. Yeah, he is subpar, below standard, and suspiciously so. Yeah, well, and, and he thinks he's the show. Oh, the faces he's getting confronted. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, mm-hmm. too much. At Frank underscore Sarah Valley, no surprises here. The sense have appointed Steve Steos as president of hockey operations. Long history. Of winning with new owner Michael Andlar. Uh, yes, Steos was serving as an advisor with the Edmonton Oilers. It had been rumored for a long time, going back to last year, that Andlar had his own hockey people in mind. He does speak to Pierre Dorion in the press release saying, We got great leadership with Steos and Dorion, but you do wonder whether there is going to be a change of GM and head coach in the nation's capital going forward, particularly if they get off to a slow start. They are like the Canucks. They have had some awful starts to seasons of late. Well, they, to me, they're doing such, everything not to get buried. They've got such great direction right now, though. Like, well, I, like The results, we'll, we'll see what they are. They but, do, except they can't get Shane Pinto signed without trading salary out. So mm-hmm. they're in a pickle there. It sounds like they may have to give away Mathieu Joseph, uh, the winger, um, just to clear some cap space. Yeah. And they took a huge gamble on Jake Sanderson. We'll see if that pays off, too. Uh, at Bucci Gross, 
Minnesota reducing the size of its ice surface from an Olympic size 200 by 100 to 200 by 89. NHL rinks are 200 by 85 with tight corners, 200 to 300 more seats as a result. Uh, a lot of people lamenting this that follow college hockey because college hockey is the sort of the last bastion of unique arenas. We've talked about this with ballparks and baseball before and how that adds such personality when they're different. Well, going around college hockey, there's a lot of different rinks because some schools have really old rinks that have these intricate, you know, uniquenesses to them. Um, there's a bunch of Olympic sized surfaces around college hockey. There's one less now with Minnesota going to like a yeah. finish, finish ice surface there at 89. Uh, Where are you on that? Are you for uniformity at the NHL level or are you for different sized rinks like we used to have, Buffalo, Boston? I think the, the 200 by 85 should be the minimum. But outside of that, hey, if you've got a big enough footprint, you want to put a bandy rink in there, by all means. (laughs) (laughs) And that's hashtags for today. So Carson Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Looking forward to the car show at the Applewood Performance Center on Sunday. That's just a fun dealership regardless. To me, it's almost permanent car show in a lot of ways. The unique cars that they've got on the property there in Langley. Check it out, whether it's Sunday or any other day, the Applewood Performance Center. And, of course, the Richmond Auto Mall home for my Mitsubishi Outlander. It's all at the Applewood Auto Group because it's all good. Yeah, Apple. sure is. Bodoc poll question: If he's willing to come, should the should the BC Lions sign Colin Kaepernick? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikarson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. I'm buying the Texans right now, so I'm going to take them over Pittsburgh. I'm going to parlay that with Seattle on Monday night because the Giants are such a mess. Hundred dollars wins three twelve on your Bodog line of the day. Joining us now, as he does on. Friday, so that will be changing, and we'll be telling you a little bit more next week about how we've got a regular guest arranged. But John Shannon is the co-host of the Bob McCowan podcast and the executive, former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. How are you doing? I'm great, boys. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. We're all better than the Vancouver Canucks. We're 0-2 and 1 in preseason, being outscored 15 to 3. John, are you concerned? Should Canucks fans be concerned? No. In in fact, I am I'm one of those guys that I'd like to take the exhibition season and throw it out the window completely. I'm I'm not even sure the whole concept of what exhibition games are or mean, other than revenue for the teams, mean anything anymore. Every guy comes to camp in shape. I can tell you right now, behind closed doors, that Tockett, Alvin, and Rutherford have probably decided what the 21, 22, and 23 man rosters are like. Uh, and they're just holding their breath, hoping that you know somebody like uh, Hughes or Pedersen or, or JT Miller don't get hurt before the season starts on the 11th of October. I I agree with you for 80 percent, but 15 to two, not 15. Yeah. Is that giving too much? Credit? Too much good. I I agree that 85 percent of the roster is probably done. But yeah, I mean, isn't there clearly a battle for for six, seven, eight defensemen and 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 really a a Quinn Hughes pair mate? Um, and uh, and even at the bottom of the roster, those those are real battles, aren't they? Every training camp, I think they've pretty well got an idea who's supposed to be Quinn Hughes's partner. 
<laughs> I, yep. They may not want to tell us. They don't want to tell us anything, really. Uh, but uh, I, I think they've pretty well decided. And, and by the way, come you know the playoff drive, if the Canucks are in the playoff drive, we will look back at the last week in September and say, remember when we were talking about the sixth and seventh defensemen? I mean, that's there, there is a practicality to it. I know what we're doing at this time of year. I just want the puck to drop and, you know, have two points on the line rather than worrying about, you know, who guys that are going to play in Abbotsford are going to play somewhere else or go back to junior or go to Europe to play. I, I, I just like to have games that have value. And the, and the problem yeah. right now, guys, is that when you look at the Major League Baseball playoff races the last week of the season – they are compelling. You look at the National Football League and the way the Lions are playing, it is compelling. It's hard to get excited for an exhibition game against the Edmonton Oilers, even if Connor McDavid is playing. Absolutely right. I'm 100% with you. wish the Ryder Cup was a little more compelling. <laughs> we'll see about, well, we'll see oh, see can. now, Maddie. come on. I've got it PVR'd. Now you've, oh, ru- okay. now oh, you've ruined sorry. it for me. Spoilers, come on. Spoilers. See, the best part about living here, John, and I was fighting to stay up, you can watch the opening matches when they're in Europe at night on the Thursday. They start at 10 o'clock well, just there after. Uh, so. Just to tell uh, tell the truth, I was up watching the Mariners game. Yes. And, and, when, Larry, and when, Larry, when, when Larry Crawford's kid uh, hit the ball into left field, I said, well, you know what? It's, it's only five to one. Maybe I should just stay up and start to watch the golf. My problem was, <laughs> my problem was, if I started to watch the golf, I would have been up all night. And we've slept through your Sakarison Price hit. Today. Yes. Noah's, oh, heaven forbid Noah's allowed that. to do that. So let me just say, you, you say that um, you think they have a partner for Hughes, and I think you're probably right. But one of the things that's emerging here through preseason and camp, John, because Carson Soucy's got some run there. Noah Juleson's got some run there. Cole McWard has got some run there. And there may well be yet another partner here in the final preseason games. He's just so far and away their best defenseman and is going to play so much. It's almost like it's going to be Hughes and committee or, you know, Hughes and company that they're going to need a lot of guys who are comfortable in that spot beside him. How does that strike you? Uh, well, nothing would surprise me. I mean, if we look at the end of October and we look at ice time, will it surprise you that Quinn Hughes is in the top five in the National Hockey League? No, it wouldn't surprise all. me at all. Uh, I, I, I just have this gut feeling that Carson Soucy's built for that position for so many reasons: his size, his toughness, his you know his ability to you know understand that he's defense first. Uh, so to me, that's the one, and, and I, I don't have any inside knowledge on this one, but to me, it's Carson Soucy's job at this point. Um, and, and by the way, you know, we talk about, you know, Rick Tockett having uh, part of the decision-making process. I'd love to know what Quinn Hughes thinks, because I think in the end, Quinn, Quinn Hughes might be going to Rick Tockett and say, I know who I'd like to play with. Yeah, I think he probably will, especially given uh, there's not a clear uh you know, person to take over. Susie's a left-hander. And it sounds like, John, Tockett's going to have to be convinced to put a lefty with him. He'd prefer right-left combinations, but he said he wouldn't close the door to, to lefty-lefty sort of thing. So it sounds like Susie's going to have to rise above and show that he can handle that right side and picking the puck off the uh, off the wall. Also, play the right side, but also, you know, 
not be as aggressive because we know that Quinn's going to be aggressive. Right. Quinn's yeah. going to be lugging the puck a lot. So, you know, that the, his partner has to stay back and understand that if, if there's an opportunity to break up a two on one, it's going to be him and it's not going to be Quinn Hughes. Uh, are you done? No, go ahead. Yep. I wanted to move on here to some other. NHL at large topics. Um, Andre Vasilevsky to miss the first couple of months down there in Tampa. Now that cynic might say uh, the Lightning are loading up on their LTI, LTIR space, which seems to be a formula for the Stanley Cup champions these days. But how does that strike you? How do you think this franchise, which let's face it, has been the class of the National Hockey League over the last decade? How do you think they're maintain and withstand missing their goaltender for at least a third of the season? I find it hard to believe that they won't go out and find somebody. Uh, I, I think that uh, actually, I had it suggested to me yesterday uh, that, uh, that hey, Brian Elliott might be getting a phone call. Come back, um, you know. Uh, they were the guys that I saw listed as the four goaltenders for the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday should have been on a milk carton. You know, they're, they're I'm not sure that there was very much depth there. So. Julian Breeze was an aggressive manager, always has been an aggressive manager. And if he can find a way, even in the short term, to get somebody like a Yaro Halak, who is dying for a job, can somebody like a Yaro Halak come in and, and, and take the job short term uh, and then figure out what to do two months from now? Uh, I just I, I just can't imagine with, with the, the group of players that they have that are in my opinion, near the end of the, the their, their what I would describe as a championship window, that they have to go and find somebody to get them through the first two months. And, Not and that's, or Gibson, though. Huh? You don't think they'll? Oh no, no, makes no sense. Okay. No, because right. because well, again, it goes. Let's ask the question: Who's going to be their starting goalie in March? It is going to be Andre Vasilevsky. Right. So you need a short-term remedy, somebody that come in comes in as a veteran can prove something. And you know the, the the irony for the uh, for the Lightning is that for the last couple of ten years they've always had a veteran backup goalie, you know whether it was Curtis McElhaney or whether it was Brian Elliott, and they decided to go away from that this time and boom, because of exhibition and because of you know training camp they lose their number one goaltender for two months and it has to be concerned. I just can't imagine them starting the season or even going 10 days into the season with the, the goaltenders that are on their depth chart right now. We've been uh, monitoring the exodus from Calgary over the weeks, uh, and they finally kept somebody. Uh, but it's at a cost, and not I'm not talking about the cap cost, because the cap hit is not bad at 4.5 for Michael Backlund, but it's just the fact they're committing to a 34-year-old currently for now, three more years. They've got Blake Coleman, who's 31, locked up for four more. Nazem Kadri's 32, locked up for eternity. Same thing with the 30-year-old Huberto. And Mackenzie Weger turns 30 in January. This uh, this Calgary Flames core is probably going to be together for a long, long time because trading 30-year-olds with, with million-dollar contracts, a multi-million-dollar contract, not easy, as we know. So the Flames are putting all their chips into the middle here, aren't they? Yeah, and, and so you do have to wonder long-term, does – Elias Lindholm fit into that, uh, you, you know, to the, you know, that plus 30 list when, when you sign them. Um, you know, Craig Conroy was dealt a really tough hand, uh, a really tough hand. And, and I think he's, he, he's done a pretty good job. There's nobody more positive about life 
than Craig Conroy. I think he's he, he started to prove that to some of the players that now want to stay in Calgary. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those guys in the last years then over the next little while re-sign contracts, whether it be a defenseman or a forward like Lindholm. Um, and Ryan Husk is a really good coach. Uh, and I think they may surprise a few people uh, just because of the, the newfound attitude and, and the, the, the more smiles on the faces coming out of the front office than we've seen the last couple of years. Steve Stales is the new hockey czar in the nation's capital. We're wondering what that means for their general manager and their head coach. Because Blake White likes the direction that Pierre Dorian has that team uh, headed. And, of course, they have a problem, the Senators do. They've got to re-sign their third-line center, Shane Pinto, but they don't have the cap space to do it and are looking to move guys out. What do you think uh, What do you think the solution is there, and what do you think Stales will be like? as a president of hockey operations. Well, it, it should come to is no surprise that Steve Steos is there. It was one of the worst kept secrets going. You know, I mean, Michael Landlauer and Steve Steos have had a very successful marriage uh, in so many ways uh, in the OHL with the Hamilton team that Michael owned. Um, the fact that uh, at a certain point, Steve left the OHL to go work for the Edmonton Oilers almost in training for this type of opportunity. And then when Michael finally got the sale done, the first thing he does, does is bring Steve with him. That, that should not be a surprise. It wasn't a surprise to me and nor was it a surprise I think to anybody in the, in the hockey world. Uh, you know, I, I th- and I, and I do think that, you know, DJ Smith is, is one of the guys that's probably going to benefit from this. I think that there's a real understanding. Steve was with DJ in the Maple Leafs organization uh, Steve understands what DJ's like. They still have a relationship from their time when DJ was in the OHL as well. Um, I, I, really, the question in my mind is, is where does Pierre Dorian fit into this family right now? And, and um, it's going to be an interesting year there. It, it really is. You know, Pierre's really worked um, since Eugene's passing. Uh, Pierre's worked without a boss. And he's been the authority. And now... There's an owner and somebody above him uh, th- that will uh, put their own imprints on. So I, Pierre Dorian's the question mark now, career-wise in Ottawa, and and maybe maybe it's still something that could work out for for everybody. As, as far as Pinto goes, you know they've done such a marvelous job in Ottawa signing their young people and their young players. When you think about Brady and you think about Jake Sanderson and Thomas Shabbat. This is a team that's got so much potential. Uh, I would not put it past them to get Pinto done, moving, you know, a, a small piece out, something out, um, ransoming something of a draft pick now, because at a certain point you have to take advantage of your draft picks, which they seem to have done in Ottawa. And now you then can give draft picks away in order to get somebody to help you with the cap. Um, I, I still see Shane Pinto long-term in Ottawa and would not be surprised to see him done. I just don't know how they're going to do it. Would be remiss if I didn't ask a broadcast uh, veteran like yourself about what's happening with regional sports networks or the lack thereof, Vegas Golden Knights going with a pay-per-play. And we thought, remember Canucks had pay-per-view games way back in the day? Well, it's going to be back, it appears, in a lot of the U.S. markets. Um, does it ever get to that point here in Canada, do you think, where you've got to buy your club's package to, to get all you know, 60 regional games? 
Well, first of all, Vegas, uh, and there's two teams in the NBA that have gone this model too. Yes. Phoenix and Salt Lake City, um, mm-hmm. Utah. Uh, and um, what we're seeing now in, in Vegas, at least right now, is it's still over the air. Uh, those games are on the on a, one of the stations owned by the Scripps Corporation, uh, and really, that the only thing has changed is, is the distribution. It's still the same pe- people, same production people, so nothing really will change. You you won't if you're a regular Golden Knights fan, you will not notice uh, very much different in in what's going on. Um, the, the reality of it is is that the regional sports system in our country is pretty set. And you know, I mean, the Canucks are a good does example it work of it. Financially, though, does it work oh, yeah. financially? Do you think? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. I have the utmost respect for the accountants at Bell and Rogers because if it doesn't work, they don't do it. <laughs> and that's been our experience. They, they, tend be, they tend to be the source. By the of way, power all, all, all of all of all of our experiences. Yeah, um, yeah. And and. Uh, you know that the new deal the Canucks did was based on the fact that it was the the best money for the long term for the franchise. Um, what we're going to see though in the next little while is is the the influence of what happened in Vancouver. How will affect Ottawa because they've got a deal that's going to be up in a couple of years. How will it affect Edmonton and Calgary? Um, we're we're going to see a few bidding wars again, and we're also probably going to see. I think. Uh, probably a couple of teams that are going to be forced uh, in the short term to go and find alternatives. And, and that's where, that's where the league office comes in guys. Gary Bettman has a a really strong bunch of broadcast uh, experts in the office uh, that are looking at this all the time and advising the teams on how to manage it. Um, And all of, all the while also trying to figure out what's going to happen three years from now, particularly in the national world. Uh, in in our country, so I, I'm not as concerned. The games are always going to be televised. How they get televised may be different, and I suspect in the end, Blake, that we're not going to see dips in revenue. Uh, you know, rights fees aren't going to fall off the face of the earth. Somehow, some way, they will. They may not grow as much as we think they will, but they they'll still certainly be a, a prime uh, position in driving revenue for the hockey clubs. Well, I'm glad they're going to stay on television. I just wish you was you were running the whole damn thing. No, don't go there. I, uh, I, I, I yeah, no. listen. I, I could if I did that. I couldn't do uh, Sakaris and Price. Really? You would, <laughs> you would, you would drop us if you were back to being in the big chair. How about that? Huh? You thought he was a friend. You can speak to the telcos. Come on, you, you can stand up to them. A guy with your resume. I, I, yes. I, I, I can speak to the telcos. I'm not sure they're speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hockey broadcasting was never better than when John Shannon was in that's, the big chair. That's, that's very kind of this. Thank you for this, my friend. We will catch up next week. Have a great weekend, boys. So Harrison Price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We have come to S versus P, our weekly debate segment, and there is fantastic news, everybody. I'm on a roll. Two straight wins. Absolutely obliterated him last week. Will Nils Hoaglander being the be in the opening night lineup? I argued yes. You argued no. Sixty-eight uh, percent of you on Twitter agreed with me, and then there was YouTube. God bless you, YouTube. YouTubers love Matt Sakaris. Thirty-six to three. Do they? Like, Do they? 
Yeah, YouTubers do. Yeah, it, it saved him on a couple of splits in this segment in the opening couple of months. I wouldn't say love, but they have been a kinder group to me. Thank you, YouTube. <laughs> yes. Damn Twitter. Uh, so that's four, seven, and three for me on the year, digging out of this early hole. And of course, it's brought to you by your friends at Layuna 1611, BC's Laborers Union. They have contractors looking for their members to hire today. Check out 1611.ca. Layuna1611 has your back. Today's question. Should the Canucks start the season with Fasili Pudkolson? Now, Blake is going to specify here. This is not lineup. It's just roster. Although with their cap situation, I think there's only going to be one spare forward. Uh, He will be arguing yes. I will be arguing no. Of course, you all will decide, and we ask you to vote on who made the better argument here. We're not asking your opinion, so please listen and vote accordingly. Mediator Grady Sass presiding. Two minutes. He's got a gavel now, though. I don't want to have to use it, so (laughs) stay within the time limit. Two minutes each. Uh, Blake, um, I'm going to shoot first here. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. All right, Matt. You're two minutes. Hold on, hold on. i got to get my clock up. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Well, lest there be a discrepancy in the clock... No one wants that. All right. Okay. Your two minutes starts now. Vancouver Canucks don't owe Vasily Pudkolson anything. They owe it to their fans and to their organization to put the best 12 forwards on the ice, carry the best 13 forwards. And right now, sadly, he's not one of them. Besides, he ain't ready. He's showing us that. Very quiet again last night in Seattle. Talkett praised his effort level, but that in and of itself is a red flag. He's that unnoticeable despite a full effort? Not a great sign. Jack Stanika has had a terrific camp, and like Pud Colson, he's a bigger body you can move. He can also play center. Dakota Joshua has responded to Talkett's tough love in the last two preseason games. And there's just no way Pud Colson is unseating any of the top nine wingers. He's just not at that level yet. Let's stop forcing the matter with this guy. I realize he's the top 10 pick, but if he shows you he's not ready, take the evidence. Govern accordingly. Now, the other red flag here is that Tockett criticized his reads. Now, that tells me this is a player questioning himself out there on the ice, unsure Lacking confidence, as an old Canucks coach once told us, the NHL is not a developmental league. That's the American Hockey League. But Colson needs more time, and there's plenty of ice available in Abbotsford where he can play in all situations, learn more, recapture that confidence. I'm not writing him off here by any stretch. He's still young. But let's not force this issue. We tried that last year, and he got demoted to Abbotsford. It's not repeat the same mistake. Well done. Okay. All right, Blake. Like the uh, you might want to turn your microphone on. Jury to know that uh, once again I left more time on the clock. I value yours. I can make my argument in less than two minutes. Concise to the point. Can we? Can we go? Yes. Your two minutes starts now. 
preseason is an imperfect beast, folks. We know this. It's not worthless at all, but let's face it, your team might be icing an AHL lineup versus an NHL squad or vice versa, and the comparison is at least apples to oranges, if not apples to eggs, as Matt would say. For that reason, I think the Canucks owe it to themselves and to the development of Vasily Pudkoles, and to see him versus NHL competition this season and see it a bunch of times before they make any further decisions on him. Overall, yes, he needs to be playing, and some might say the AHL is best for that. He has just turned 22 after all, but at the same time, he's old enough that you need to see if rubber is hitting the road. You need to see him in real action with real consequences at the NHL level. This is a kid who has always performed on the biggest stage when given to him, not necessarily with goals and assists, as we warned you from the get-go here when he was drafted, but his World Junior teammates said they'd skate through a brick wall for this player. He inspires his teammates, and his desire to be better is certainly there. The classroom for him needs to move, though, from the AHL to the NHL. Studnika, Oman, Di Giuseppe, Drives. These guys are the competition. The guys that have far more AHL games under their belts than NHL games. Let's take a look at a guy who could actually play up in the lineup. His waiver ineligibility goes against him logically, but it also means you can send him down with impunity at any point once you've given him said look. Hey, maybe you don't put him in an opening night lineup versus McDavid and company, but on the road for the following five games, why not? Perfect spot away from the criticisms of the home crowd to make the odd mistake, get away with it, and then develop. You don't know until you know, and the Canucks need to know. Truly know. So he needs to be on the roster to start the season. So we're going to let opposing coaches create a matchup nightmare with Vasily Putkolson. Okay, I got you. Thank you, Blake. Uh, hey, hey, Grady, you know, he's arguing after me? Like, nothing? Impunity there? My goodness. You can have a rebuttal. If you oh, were Vasily Podkolzin, oh, I'm allowing this. it rebuttal, today. Rebuttal, rebuttal. No, we've never granted rebuttal. Stop rewriting the rules. There is no rule book. I say, I like this mediator. No rule book. Without <laughs> rules. You, you tell students statistics there's no rule book. He oh and many God. other loyal listeners put a lot of time into crafting the 1040 rule book back in the day. Unbelievable. You're still not allowed to talk about your fantasy game. Your fantasy league's Grady. And I'll be damned if we hear Mustang Sally. Or your bad poker beats. All right, for those those of you on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Vote accordingly. Look forward to improving to 5, 7, and 3 for next week. I'll give you those if you stop talking about freaking Taylor Swift on every damn show. Taylor Swift is the biggest cultural phenomenon oh, on the planet. Please. We would be doing a disservice to all of our listeners who are interested in Taylor Swift and her romance with Travis Kelsey by not talking about you her. Come Besides, are we, TMZ come here? we didn't talk about her today. She made four or five shows this week. Frankly, we're leaving 20% on the table there. And you know what she also encourages? People to vote. And that we are right. Too. Please vote. S versus P, a presentation of Layuna 1611. BC Laborers Union. Check out 1611.ca. Layuna has your back. Harrison Price from Wall Center. Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips? It's going to be great. I need to visit Great Clips here. I'm so do due. I. Oh, I'm my goodness. Due too. 
I'm so past due. I have little hairs sticking out of the perforations in my hat. How dare you? I know. It's not a great look. Let's get to today's golf report brought to you by the Whistler Golf Club, wrapping up another incredible year at the Palmer. Last day of operation, October 8th. So you still have some time for some fantastic fall golf. And boy, the colors and everything up there are just amazing this time of year. But if you're an organizer of a group of 12 or more, it's not too early to plan for 2024. Visit whistlergolf.com slash groups. Tell them, tell them about your team, your group. They'll get you a tea time held for 2024, and you, the organizer, plays for free. Find out more at whistlergolf.com slash groups. Well, day one of the Ryder Cup is utter domination from the Euro- European side. They sweep the morning foursomes, Blake's favorite mm, alternate shot format. And in fact, your uh, objection to that format had our friend Gary Nettergaard at Northlands wondering if we could change the format of our annual match play. And he outlined a, a, like an I even never more heard complicated of alternate shot. Chapman alternate shot format. You both play tee off. You play each other's ball. And then from you there, you decide who's in better position. Yeah. Plus, you have to do a lap of the green, <laughs> make a snow angel in the nearest trap. Like, give me a break. I think this is just sour grapes from Gary. <laughs> it could be. Five and four, buddy. Five and four. Anyways, uh, the Americans got back with three halves in the afternoon four ball matches. The points scored there by Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, although they had a two-up lead late and blew it. Kepkin, Scheffler, Homa, and Clark also with half points. And you do have to wonder now how much scrutiny will befall Zach Johnson, American captain. There were some controversial picks on this team. Justin Thomas was one of them. They left Cameron Young off the team, one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the world. They left Keegan Bradley Lucas Glover, who were playing great golf down the stretch off the team. They left Bryson DeChambeau off the team, who has found his form on the Live Tour. It is going to take a Herculean effort on the Saturday and certainly in the Sunday singles for the USA to even make this competitive, like even a inject some drama into this tournament. Let me ask you this. Given who's there for the United States, mm-hmm. I was trying to put the, like, the United States population is still around 300 million, something like that? Yeah, 330 or something like that, I think. Yeah. Like, is it the same sample size for both for Europe and the United States? Is the talent pool, are we, are we fishing in the same size of oceans here to, to collect these teams? So, uh, population of the U.S. is just shy of 200 or 340 million. Yeah. Um, the population from Europe, Europe, as is they call it, more than double. It's seven hundred forty-two yeah. million. I mean, not that we tip the scales, but any Canadian, but, but a lot this, of European countries, as you know, Blake, they, they don't much play golf. No, like Russia no. doesn't play golf. No, like Turkey, you know, like there's a lot of big countries in Europe for whom you don't have a lot of professional golfers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, do you do you think any Canadians make this team on merit? Which team? The, the U.S. team. Mm. I mean, Connors, I think, would be the only... I, I mean, Taylor finished ahead of Connors this year in the FedEx Cup because he won the Canadian Open. I do think Connors is our best player. Yeah. He's certainly our best tee to green player. He's not a great putter. I wonder if I, would, I, I wonder if you open it up. I mean, I think Connors had a better year than Thomas. So if you just want to say on merit this year... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like they certainly would probably be better than mm-hmm. the captain's picks anyway. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Uh, we have a few. Um, boy, I said earlier in the week I didn't expect anyone to go back-to-back on these Wednesday-Thursday road preseason games. I thought the Canucks would treat these sort of as split-squad split games, but there were seven players mm-hmm. who were in the lineup Still Wednesday the numbers. and came back. Yeah. Well, I mean... All those junior players, all the the AHL players mm-hmm. that they sent back. Uh, Grady, what else do we have there? Yeah, going back a few days, Aaron Blake, he said Marty St. Louis was left off the Turin roster. It was actually the Sochi roster. That's from Hassan mm-hmm. in the inbox. Right. Good call. Mm-hmm. Good call. Um, yeah, couldn't leave him off Turin. That was, yeah, his, that was, prime that time. was his heyday. Yeah. Although not for Canada. Martin Gerber. That was a the terrible Swiss. They got Gerbered. That was, the, that was the most boring Olympic hockey tournament. Well, Sochi was not exactly full of thrills. It was really clinical. I remember Bertuzzi defensive. had a lot of apples. The, wim- the women's gold medal final was amazing. Oh, that's true. Sochi. That's true. Uh, we have Leaf in the inbox calling, uh, I think it was Blake yesterday on Kirk McLean, third in Vesna voting, 1989. Yerke was also on that mm-hmm. beat as well. Uh, Yerky calling me out for my pro- pronunciation of Philip Chronic. Chronic? Well, hockey reference says Roe. Chronic. I'm going off what I heard from Quadrelli, who t- heard it from Canucks PR. Yeah. And I believe, or either Batch. Okay. So. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. God, uh, it's almost like the NHL should uh, provide this information. I don't want to correct you f- within the Peterson. body of either those, but. Whoever sent that to you is on a bad beat. I was talking about 1991-92 oh. uh, voting. Um, and Leaf in the inbox. In that, yes, he was second in Vezina Trophy. Mm. He was fourth in Hart Trophy voting. Mm. It was Kirk McClain. Mm. Yeah. So I was wrong, but not for the reasons you outlined. Well, glad you cleared that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got. Going back to that Whitecaps match on the weekend, here's an interesting grouping I've never seen on Mm -hmm. a Bodog. Correct score, either team. Mm. Um, And the reason I'm going here is I think the Caps are either going to be really good or really bad. (laughs) I think they're going to be bolstered by home and blow the doors off some three to one or... Are we going to use a hockey parlance here? First game back after a long road trip? Oh. And do they play like that and suffer a devastating defeat? Either team wins 3-1 plus 800. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.